Today's episode of Rob Has a Podcast is sponsored by Swagbox. Swagbox lets you earn up to 14% cash back and gift cards when you shop at select online retailers this Halloween. For more information, check out swagbox.com slash R-H-A-P. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sesternino here, and this is the first of what I am just calling my Monday podcast that I'm going to be recording this fall. I just feel like Monday is a good day for me to record. Sometimes I'll talk about Survivor, sometimes I'll talk about uh, Amazing Race, or whatever else if we have the opportunity to talk to an interesting guest. And for lack of a better name, maybe we come up with something. Uh, This is the first of these shows. And so we have the very special opportunity to talk to a very good friend of mine that a lot of people really liked her first appearance back on the podcast in the spring. Uh, Here she is. And it is Angie Kantz. And Angie, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Very excited to have you back, Angie. And so what you did last time and created a, a very big splash on Rob Has a Planet, you Woo! you created your own uh, types of casting uh, of people that get cast on Survivor. And you've gone through back through the history of the show and determined, you know, who fits in which box and which of these types are the most likely people to win Survivor and all sorts of other interesting nuggets based on what personality type these characters are? That's right. That's what I did. Yeah. And since you've done this, a lot of people have sort of taken this as gospel. And like I've gotten a lot of like mail and tweets since then about which Kant's type is this person and, and people are, are really thinking about this a lot based on your first appearance on Rob as a podcast. Yeah, no, the feedback has been absolutely amazing. I thought there would be way more outcry because it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a different way of looking at the, at the game. And I was really overwhelmed with how excited everyone was. I was excited by how many, you know, survivor OCD people there are out there. It's very important to me that I'm not alone you know, with my obsession. So it's, it's, it's been really amazing. And yeah, people were, took the data and they did all kinds of stuff. Like they took it well beyond to the next level of like scatter graphs and other predictions and things like that. It's just been amazing. Yeah. Because I think you've tapped into something here. I think a lot of people really, you know, are, you know, smart and professional people who, for whatever reason, have an obsession with this show and you want to apply, you know, their traits that and characteristics that actually help them in their job. But they're, you know, maybe are not doing something that's really fun, but somehow, um, you know, are able to spend a lot of time, you know, crunching data on Survivor. Absolutely. I mean, it is it is like a social science. And if if someone has a theory as to how to quantify it, then these people that are good at quantifying things kind of take it and go nuts with it. Right. Yeah. And actually, I think I haven't told you this yet, but I think you'll really appreciate this story. When I was in New York for the live know-it-alls show that one of the people in the crowd who will remain nameless in case she actually decides to apply for Survivor, she said that she wants to go and be on Survivor but uh, one her job is too good and she doesn't want to leave her job but if she was to apply for survivor she was going to tell them in casting that she was a secretly smart (laughs) bikini babe 
But actually, she was going to play as an Aaron Brockovich. And also, she was going to vote out the people who were potentially going to be the Aaron Brockoviches so she could be the Aaron Brockovich. That is very smart. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you've really, you've really spawned something. That's awesome. Well, yeah. this is the thing. I mean, if this is actually, if there is a negative truth to this, it could really help future players potentially uh, come up with a, a very solid strategy. Yes. And so, all right, Angie, let's go through a little bit of, let's just talk about real quick, uh, what's on the agenda here for today? Okay. Well, first of all, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through each character type of the current cast. So I'm going to give an overview of uh, a description of the character type, and then I'm going to see if you can figure out based on what you've seen so far uh, of who fits into that character type. And then we're going to talk about the the finish order. So based on you know who's going to be voted out first, all the way up to who's going to win. And then after that, I would like to talk about alliances. So basically, there are certain character types that make good alliance members, and certain ones that don't. So talking about who's gonna who's gonna you know align together, who should align together, and then we can talk a bit about which uh, character types were not cast because there were a lot of very colorful characters that, which are absent this season. Okay. And just for the record, so everybody knows that uh, this is not spoilers. This is all completely your predictions based on data. It's completely made up. Okay. Yeah. Completely, <laughs> completely made up. You have no insider information. Absolutely none. Okay. All right. So that is uh, very good to know as we go along here. And so why don't we start with our review of your different character types? Okay, so I'm just going to go through the ones that are just playing this season. So I'm not going to mention the ones that did not get cast until uh, we get to that part of the of the podcast. So the very first one I have here is Oh No You Didn't. Okay, well, we'll start with a bang. Oh No You Didn't. Oh No You Didn't, Rob. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. And so just, t- tell us, tell us what is this character type in your mind? Okay, so this is the girl who's very bossy. Yes. She's, she's loud. She can be very annoying. It's, uh, she can make friends. Like, she can be a social player. But for the most part, she's way too assertive. And she alienates other players. She's got big opinions. She's not afraid to talk about other people and their opinions. She calls people out. Um, she often comes from, um, like, a big city. And is inclined sometimes to be a little bit hostile. Yeah. Maybe there's somebody that they had some sort of they, at the heart of this, they've had something happen to them. They have they've had a hard a hard road to this point. So they're not gonna let people hurt them anymore. Well, I don't even know if they're I'm not saying they're damaged goods or anything. These girls they're actually really fun. These are the girls that are not afraid to stand up to adversity, they're not afraid of conflict. In real life, I really like this type of person. Um, in Survivor, I find that it's it's it cannot it's more it behooves you to be a little bit more easygoing. Even if someone's being really obnoxious, you just kind of let it you just roll with the punches. And these girls do not do that. Sure, because Survivor is a social game. You're supposed yes. to you know take things that annoy you and sort of pretend that they don't annoy you. And then these are the people that can't do that. That's right. Yes. So- They'll, they'll wear, they will wear your socks right in front of you and dare you to do something about it. Yes. And they're the people that are, you know, very quick to, you know, I, I, hey, I've got to, you know, tell it like it is. Yes. Yes. All right. So um, we have this person this season. 
Yes. Okay. So who, who do you think fits into that category? Boy, I'm trying to think of uh, who this could be this season. And now it, this is a, a woman? Yes. Okay. So th- that all of these are gender-based? Like there, uh, there can't be a, oh, no, you didn't man? That's right. Okay. All right. So that narrows it down to only only 10 women and i'm trying to think of who is uh a, a woman who is who's like this and you know off the top of my head i'm drawing a blank on this one okay who's been yelling at the other tribe hmm uh, oh it's got to be a twinny right <laughs> yes okay well the twinnies are definitely they they do tell you like it is they absolutely do um, and the reason why, um, and both the twinnies are this character type, by the way, and the reason why so we they, can have two. Yeah, we can have two. It's not. Uh, it's not like. Um, it's not like the archetypes that you do with aging mass. It's, you can have more than one if they if they are a carbon copy of each other, and there are uh, there are three character types that are repeated in this season because it's a blood versus water, and their loved ones are very similar to to who they are. Now, is this because they're identical twins? Um, it, it certainly helps. Like their personalities are extremely similar. They're the same age, the same gender, right? Yes. So that makes a huge difference. And, um, so they are, not, they are not sheep. They're not followers. They, uh, they, they call, they call people out for their crap. That is why they are, a, a, you know, an, oh no, you didn't. That doesn't mean that they can't be, they're not completely alienating. They're not completely hostile or anything like that. Like, uh, if you look at Alicia from One World, she actually was in pretty tight with her All Girls Alliance. She was very likable. Like mm-hmm. she, she and Kat were were very close friends, right? Yeah. Do you, so, for historical perspective, could you give us some of the previous versions of this character? Absolutely. We're looking at Jatia. Okay. Uh, Abby Maria. Yes. Nayanka. Okay. Alicia from One World, as I said. Yes. Yolanda from Palau uh, and Alicia from Australia. What about Lindsay from last season? Lindsay. Lindsay. She, you know what? She was, I oscillated, I flipped her back and forth about a hundred times. Ultimately, I left her in the G.I. Jane character because she was hyper competitive. Like often this character, like if you look at someone like Abby Maria, she's not super athletic. She doesn't look like she could tackle you in a football game, right? Um, so there, there, there is usually just one or two little nuances to someone's personality that makes them kind of lean more into one way or the other. Lindsay, I really flip back and forth with, for okay. sure. All right. Um, so... Now, this person does not have a good chance to win the game, if I recall. That's right. She has zero chance to win the game. <laughs> so, but the pros, and I put pros and cons to each of these character types. So the, the pros of, uh, of Natalie, as she's the, the one left in the game now, is that she does have guts. She is really tough. And she's not going to do something just because everyone wants her to. Okay. And, and often people kind of get swept up in the game and they just kind of go along with it and go along with it, go along with it. And before you know it, even if they get to the end, they haven't made any big moves. They've got no resume and they don't they can't win the game. Now, can uh, this character type win the amazing race? <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, does it does it matter if you're picking fights? Does that really We'll, like what is, we'll what have is, to talk to Jessica Lee and see what what least type can win the Amazing Race. I was just thinking of Stephen saying it's really who who gets the best cab. So are are twenties good at getting cabs? I think so. Because you're outspoken. You're like, hey, that's my cab. Yeah, and you jump like, no, in. get out of the way. It's my cab. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So what the, what she's got going against her is she's too outspoken. She can be volatile, as we saw with her her fight with Rocker that really didn't even um, involve her, right? Mm-hmm. She can be unpredictable. She can be aggressive. But ultimately, the problem is that she has no filter. So she, she doesn't think before she speaks. So what uh, the the kind of analysis that I, I wrote down for both Nadia and Natalie at the beginning of the season was that they're going to be seen as outsiders, and they're going to have a hard time making solid alliances. So they're they're likely to start fights and have big opinions. They'll be overly critical, and they'll they'll get themselves into trouble by calling people out. And you know, I I, I predict that that's going to happen with with Natalie and Drew. She like and she was the one saying, "You're the one who's sleeping all the time." That's absolutely her character type. That's exactly what I'm talking about. She's got to she's got to put a lid on that. Okay, but now. It, is it hopeless for her? Can she turn it around? Or, or are we just saying that, no, this is who she is, and somebody who is this character type can never win the game? Well, never say never. I okay. mean, all of them couldn't, you know, in the first couple of seasons, no one had won, right? So it's, it really, anything could happen. I'm just saying statistically, it hasn't happened yet. I don't know if Natalie's going to be the one to break that cycle or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, and keep in mind, too, as, as we're going through this, there's, there's the Angie, who is the Survivor fan, who has opinions about Survivor. And there's the Angie, who is the, you know, analyzing the statistics. And I'm trying to keep them really separate because who I like in this season is not necessarily who my system likes. So me personally, sure, I think Natalie has a chance. I think she's really fun. Yeah. But just looking at history, I mean, this character type has the worst performance of all of them. So I think it's highly unlikely that this is the one that's going to break through. Okay. So now we're going to go through these these in order of chances that they will not win the game? No, they're completely random. Oh, completely random. Okay. Yes. I right. learned from our last time. So I'm completely randomized it. Oh, now I'm really on my toes. Yeah. You're okay. going to have to pay attention. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it, it gets hot in here, so sometimes uh, not not always the easiest thing to do. It's like the final immunity challenge every podcast. It is. So you're really you're really you got to focus. That's right. I need, I need you to focus, Rob. Focus, dig, woman, dig. All right. All right so uh, let's go move on to the next person. Now, are, are we including the people that are eliminated? Also, will this be eighteen yes. or this we're down to fifteen? No, it's going to be all eighteen. Great. Okay. So next is Perez Hilton. Okay. So, uh, this is going to be our, our person, uh, who's, uh, very, very social and likable, uh, very intelligent, very intelligent. And this is, uh, typically the gay character. Typically. Okay. And he's very funny and extremely likable. All right. Well, I would think that this is going to be, well, I, I've only got two, two choices here. Um, now I, now in your system, will Josh and Reed both be this character? Yes, they will. Okay. Now, that seems problematic. Tell me why. Um, because uh, I feel like that they, they have different skill sets. They do have different skill sets. They do. I mean, they're, they're, here's, here's the thing. Like, remember that you got to remember their sexuality is not their most defining character. And obviously, no one in the world fits into one single box. When you're looking at this through the lens of trying to separate people into little categories, um, I need to ask myself is, do Josh and Reed manage to get onto this show if they do not have that one element 
that the casting people are looking for. Like, just like they need some rigid older guy who's going to say, you know, there won't be any spoon in tonight. They need the person that's going to be mixed up with them as part of the social experiment. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they're going to find as many different varieties of the, of the casting types, but ultimately there is that one little element that they need these people to have. And Mm -hmm. it's true. And it's true of all the character types. Okay. So now Josh and Reed, I feel like uh, they are both, off to a good start. I feel like uh, Reed is definitely more under the radar than Josh has had to been considering uh, that he's on the tribe that has won the first three immunity challenges. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely agree with that. I think Reed has been relatively invisible, but I'm, I'm really liking where, where Josh is going with this. Yeah. Now what's really interesting to me, well, it would be more interesting if there, if this was not a blood versus water season, but it would be, very interesting to see uh, how if there was a season where we had two gay men on the show, uh, what that alliance would look like. Like, would they would they would they be able to align and and say, you know, hey, let's uh, let's work together or would they, um, you know, have a have reason to not like each other? Um, is that's a really interesting question. I'm trying to think back to Micronesia because that's the only that is the only season where they they cast a lot of character types side by side, and about half of them um, aligned with each other, and the other half became mortal enemies. So I would be very curious okay. to to see how that would work out for sure. Yes, um, I look forward to seeing that in an upcoming season of Survivor: Oil versus Water. <laughs> um did that come into the think tank yes yes (laughs) uh survivor survivor oil versus water is uh they cast people that are uh similar but they don't get along oh that's right so you bring back the mortal enemies i thought that would uh, i thought that would be a funny one as well (laughs) yeah all right so um i'm just trying to think who they cast with you would they bring back like is that Butch for you or Roger or Butch, my uh, my arch nemesis? Yeah. No, no. Uh, they'd have to bring back somebody like um, I, I. If we we're gonna come up with my arch nemesis, uh, I don't even know who it is at this point. Would it be the Rob that doesn't suck, or is that just too <laughs> no, ambitious? No, no. He has like. Uh, first off, we'd be we are great friends now, Angie. Uh, okay. He'd he'd have to be <laughs> like his enemies would be like Lex or Russell. Mm-mm. Yes. Yeah, you have to come up with come up with somebody for me to feud with. You're just too likable, Rob. Try to get along with everybody. I don't know. Isn't that what the game is? Yep. You. So why? Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. So. So um, back to Josh and Reed. Talk about J- Josh and Reed. Yeah. You know, we feel good about these guys. We do. So generally, um, the, what what this character type has going against them is sometimes they don't make very strong majority alliances, and they can be a little bit lacking in the physical challenges. Mm-hmm. But that's so, not the case with these guys. No, these guys are very very fit. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see um, what they do within this because so far. Um, uh, Josh in particular, he's the one who's definitely punching above his weight in terms of his, uh, his character type and, and, and what's expected of him just from a statistical point of view. Mm-hmm. So um, I think if they continue, um, as long as they're not the weakest link and they don't make themselves a target by being too outspoken, um, 
my advice before the season started was that they need to be controlling the strategy, not just going along for the ride, like the way um, Todd did and John Carroll did. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause those were the, the two in this character type that were extremely successful. Um, so, so far Josh is doing exactly what he needs to be doing. And I think he could really make a run for it. What I'm curious to see is what's going to happen if, and when he's reunited with Reed, because that could really change the dynamic. Cause right now he is in control of his tribe. Yeah. Right that dynamic could be completely busted wide open if he needs to then try and bring Reed into that mix. Well, I think that's going to be the big story as we start to approach the merge of the people that have their alliances on on one side. How do they balance that with reuniting with their loved ones? And the people who don't have their loved ones, how do they balance that with having alliances of people that do? Yeah, no, it's going to it's going to be really interesting to see what choices everybody makes and yeah. uh, how that's going to be perceived for sure. OK, uh, anything else on Josh and Reed? No, I think that's it for them. Yeah, that's it for them. OK, uh, who's next? Meredith Gray. Meredith Gray. All right. Uh, tell us who the Meredith Gray is as I mull over who it is. Okay, so she is 25 to 35. She's your young professional. So she's a cop, doctor, lawyer. She could be working with finance, a teacher, an engineer. She's very intelligent. She plays really hard. She loses just as hard. Hmm. All right, well, I've only got one female police officer. And so I'm going to have to go with Val. And you'd be right on the money. Yes. <laughs> so the past players... Uh, would be Sarah, Candace, Francesca, R.C., Sabrina from One World, Eliza, Misty from Panama, Katie from Palau, Tammy from Marquesas, and Ramona all the way back to Borio. So what they've got going for them is they're very smart, they're strategic, they're very high energy. But what they've got working against them is they're nervous, they can be a little bit annoying and overly intense, and a little bit bossy. Okay. So if you think about the Meredith Grays who have spectacularly flamed out, they all had a very similar approach. And that was they moved too hard, too fast. Yeah. Got to back down a little bit. But, but they're, you know, they're making it in their professional lives by being intense. But that's it's too much on Survivor. It's too much. And other players don't always find them trustworthy. Yeah. They make they make big moves too early. They're too smart for their own good. They don't know how to just chill out and blend in with the herd. So they get picked off. Yeah. Is that what happened to Val? Would you say that she, in a typical Meredith Grey fashion, that's how she went out? Absolutely. Yeah. I also think it's kind of an interesting dynamic with the blood versus water. I think you guys have touched on this a little bit already in terms of, I I, I think there's one person who applied for Survivor, was desperate to get on Survivor, got on Survivor, and then they've got these plus ones that are really not that different than recruits. So they're, they're, I think it's the plus ones that are the ones that are kind of struggling out there a little bit. And again, this is why Josh and Reed have a bit of a leg up because they are both super Survivor fans. Yeah, I and, think so. And I think Val was along for the ride because if you compare her and, and Jeremy's game, it's like night and day, right? Yes. All right. Uh, who's next? Who's next is True Grit. True Grit. Okay. Remind us who True Grit is. So this is a soldier or a retired professional athlete. Sometimes can be an older uh, cop or firefighter. So he's 35 years old at least. He's really tough. Um, he can be strategic. Uh, oh, no, no, sorry. He can't. His strategic and social skills are pretty, uh, pretty lacking most of the time. But he can be strategic if 
he's like Tom Westman. Okay. But but that was kind of the standout. Well, this has got to be rocker, right? It is absolutely rocker. Yeah. And uh, and unfortunately, rock rocker kind of embodied the worst possible scenario of this character type, which is someone who's too assertive, has lacks social ability, is completely inflexible, doesn't understand the changeable dynamics of the game didn't even seem to understand the basic rules of the game and that, you know, when he has an idol believing that it's possible that, you know, anyone else has an idol, let alone two idols. Yeah. It's just a little bit naive, right? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So yes, he needed to be able to adapt to the game as it happened and reframe alliances and circumstances. And he, he made a, he made a lot of mistakes and I figured he would go out early for, for acting like a tough guy who's trying to control everything. Andrew, were you sad to see John Rocker go? I was not. <laughs> I thought you were a big John Rocker fan. Why, why did you think that? I thought that I saw that your you had changed your Facebook profile to uh, wearing a uh, a John Rocker jersey. Oh, really? That wasn't you? No, that was not oh. me. No, I, uh, I absolutely was not a Rocker fan. I mean, I was irritated that he... Uh, he jumped the line and he went out a turn early, which screwed up my system. But other than that, <laughs> how did he screw up the system? Well, because I I predicted the uh, the elimination uh, order right, and I was two for two before Rocker imploded. So that his the way that he uh, went off at the challenge or finding out about his past ultimately screwed things up for your system. Um, I don't know what the catalyst was. I mean, who's to say Rocker is a mystery, but um, he went out before one person early before he was supposed to. I had him going out fourth. Gone too soon. Gone too soon. But I would I was uh, I was not I was not sad to see him go. All right. Let's keep let's keep moving because we have so many uh, things to get through here with getting through everybody and then talking about the predictions for the season. So, all right. Give me the next person. Okay, Next person is Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Uh, tell us about Little Red Riding Hood. So this is our first uh, super threat. So this this character type has won the game twice. So she is a young, usually a pageant girl. She's not game savvy. And this is the one whose job it is to look great and be really cute. Hmm. Okay. So past players are Jeffra, Angie, Kat, Natalie from Redemption Island, Kelly Purple, Becky, Becky from Cook Island, Nalia. Uh, and the winners were Jenna from your season and Amber. I remember that. <laughs> Still vivid. Okay. For me, um, I have to think this has got to be Jacqueline, right? Absolutely. She is a, yeah, she's the pageant girl. So it is absolutely Jacqueline. So you're so, saying that Jacqueline could be a threat. Absolutely. So what she's got going for her is she's a threat because she's not a threat. No one is feeling threatened by Jacqueline. She's the ultimate floater. Hmm. And uh, boys like having her around. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yes, they're not even talking about getting rid of her. They want to get rid no. of Baylor. Exactly. That's what I mean. They're not even going to notice. Um, and she's and she's perfect to have in your alliance because she'll do as, she, as she's told. She won't big, make big moves. She's pretty much a free vote, right? Yeah. Um, the only way she will win is if she ends up sitting next to the most hated player in the game. And yeah. I'm telling you, if Boston Rob were playing this season, Jacqueline's the one he would take to the end. He would have already latched onto her. Um, so if she wants to win, she should let someone like Wes or Drew take her to the end and then flip the script on them. Okay. All right. Well, watch out, Jacqueline. Yeah. Now, 
Um, but it'll be interesting with the pairs, you know, with her boyfriend still in the game. No, he won't be for long, though. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Spoiler. A spoiler. <laughs> oh. A spoiler of predictions. <laughs> That's right. Okay. The prophecy. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Let's keep going. Who's okay. next? Surfer dude. Surfer dude. Okay. I feel like we've got two surfer dudes. Um, it, Not quite. Not okay. quite. But, but then I, I will go with Drew as my official surfer dude. You'd be wrong. N- what? Yep. No. It's, it's little bro. Little Alex. bro. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, now, why? Why is little bro a surfer dude and big bro isn't a surfer dude? Um, big bro, and I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Big bro is the sales guy who's really arrogant, who thinks that he is the smartest one there. Surfer dude never thinks he's smart. Okay. Surfer dude is just like, man, I'm just happy to be here. This is totally awesome. I'm going to climb a coconut tree. That's who surfer dude is. So Alec is just kind of, he's like the, the super subdued version of Drew. And he's not the one that's coming up all over the top thinking that, you know, you know, you may recognize me because I'm a model. Don't you know? That's, that's, that's not a super, uh, that is not a surfer dude move. Now, right? what was Ozzy? Ozzy was a surfer dude. But I feel like Ozzy has some of these characteristics that you're saying that a surfer dude would not have. Uh, yes, he was arrogant, but he was arrogant just because he thought he was a, an athletic threat. And he was he was naive enough to think that as long as you're athletic, that's really all there is to the game. Okay. Right? So that, that shows a lack of, uh, of understanding. Drew realizes that it's not just all about the athletics, but he honestly believes that he's like a survivor super genius. Okay. Like he thinks he's a know-it-all. That's Drew's problem. He's not a weaving know-it-all. No, no, he isn't. Would, would do you think as a know-it-all, you would have had the the weaving down? That would have been like you were being like a master weaver. You would think so. I mean, how hard could it be? I don't know. Drew couldn't do it. I mean, the thing is, you're so bored out there. It's almost like it's something to do. I would think so. But yeah, you have nothing like, to do all day. Sit down and weave rather than take a nap in front of everybody. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't sleep with everyone glaring at me anyway. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, like if I was going to go to sleep, I wouldn't go to sleep in like the center of like a bunch of people. No, not when they're poking <laughs> me with sticks. That's <laughs> for sure. With sticks and stuff. Yeah, no, that's no good. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so uh, the surfer dude has won four times. Whoa. So, and and so the, he's actually won more than anyone else. And he could have won- beat Cass. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? They. Uh, this is one of the the. the the things that they need to, to bear in mind, because this is the con of the of the server dude, what he's got going against him is he's often not strategic, uh, strategic enough to take control of the game. And he doesn't really understand who's benefiting um, in the tribe around him and needs to not let himself get talked into things that don't make sense for his game. Yeah. Like like taking stronger strategic players to the finals with him. And this will come into into the discussion more when we get into the alliances, but Wu is not the first surfer dude to have done that. Like th- this is a this is a bit of a pattern for them. So, I mean, Alec needs to get in a, a solid alliance with a really good group of people, but when it gets down to seven players, he absolutely needs to go on an immunity run because if those seven people have a brain in their head, they will be trying to get him out. Yeah. So I think there is something to 
you know, how much do people perceive you to not be a threat to winning the game? Because And this surfer dude is a good way to go about it. It's like, hey, man, I'm just here to have fun and, and hang out on the beach. And it makes people not want to vote you off as opposed to somebody who's like, I will do anything it takes to win this game. So the like just being sort of like, a, you know, a, a chillax stoner guy. I think that that really helps you. I think that like sucking at everything also helps you. I think just like, hey, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I am having so much fun out here and that's what, that's why I'm here. So the more things that you could do to make people feel like you don't really care about winning, I think that's, that's really the, the best way to go. So you're saying Spicoli is the ultimate survivor. Yeah. But then you have to sort of like turn it around at the end and say like, uh, I did, tr- I did really care about winning. Yes. No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. You hit it right on the, right on the head there. Yeah. So I, I, no one's, no one is seeing Alec coming at all. He is the least of everyone's worries. And that, and that's why he's, uh, he's going to sneak right past them, I think. Oh man. So, all right. Do you want to segue into talking about Drew a little bit more? Uh, yeah. So let me skip ahead. While we're here. Yep. While we're talking about Drew. So, um, Drew, I'm just, he is the seduce and destroy character type. Whoa. Yeah. So that's, uh, the young working professional who's about 25 to 35 and he's really arrogant and kind of a bit of the used car salesman type. So how you can tell him is he's the one that thinks he's way smarter than he actually is. And he thinks he's way more charming than he actually is. So this would be Garrett, Reynolds, Pete from the Philippines, Albert from South Pacific, um, Sash from Nicaragua. John Fincher is a seduce and destroy Uh, Jean Robert. And the winners from this uh, character type are Earl and Yule. Okay. So what he's got going for him is he is handsome. He is somewhat strategic. But what he's got against him is his arrogance is such a turnoff. So I think he really needs to be careful about playing too hard. He's going to think he's running the game when he's really not. And he's going to irritate people. They're going to start making fun of him. Um, Ultimately, they're going to turn on him, even if he makes it into the finals, which is highly unlikely. But even if he does, he won't be respected enough to win the million dollars. This character type has sat in the finals a number of times and ultimately just been completely ignored. Andrew, are you sure you want to put Drew in the same character type as Earl and Yule? Now, remember, when when I did my first podcast, I was saying Earl and Yule were both in really weird seasons. There were two seasons that were kind of anomalies in terms of how they were cast. And it was those two seasons. They were back to back. And they had about three guys who were these kind of young professional types, marketing people. um, And they do not behave the same as the other ones. That's why I had like the little asterisk beside Yule again. Um. I think I think the whole thing is uh, is an anomaly. I think we, we should almost take Earl and Yule like ignore for this character type ignore those two seasons because I really don't see someone like an Albert from South Pacific or Sash ever winning the game. They're just too uh I think they're just too arrogant and people see through it and get really irritated by it. Well, they and got no votes. They got no votes and Earl and Yule were completely likable, but they really don't fit into any other character type. Right. So that, that, that one season, uh, those two seasons were completely different than every other season. Okay. We've got so much ground to cover. Let's keep going on the players from this season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, next is GI Jane. GI Jane. Okay. So she has never won the game. She's the super tough girl. 
challenge beast, highly competitive, highly athletic. She's edgy. She's often like a pro wrestler, uh, some sort of uh, professional athlete, um, but she's often not super strategic. So remember the the big uh, the big standout in this character type is Andrea from Redemption Island. But other types are like Michaela, Stephanie Lagrosa, Crystal Cox, Ashley from China, and Kelly Wigglesworth. Okay, this so, Miss Survivor is a GI Jane. She is, and I I did have some people calling me on that saying why is she not secretly smart bikini babe? But if you look at her bio. Her activities are hunting, and her pet peeves are girly girls, and that is why she is a GI Jane. Okay, all right. So, but by definition, if she's Miss Survivor, doesn't that make her a pageant girl? <laughs> I guess she is now. Yes. All right. So retroactively, let's change uh, Miss Survivor. Okay, but I'm going to have to say I think this has to be Julie. Julie. Interesting. Why do you think that she's? Uh, why do you think she's tough? What is it about Julie that you think is super tough? She uh, hangs out with John Rocker. <laughs> well, that would be tough for sure. <laughs> I was thinking Baylor. 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 She's a competitive cheerleader. That's some brutal training that they got to do. That's a lot of. Uh, that's a lot of crashing around and cracking skulls. All right. Well, I will hold my opinion on the entire. I have to see how the whole puzzle shapes up. All right. But that's, I'm not, I'm not sure if I say Missy's, a, or I'm sorry, uh, Baylor is a G.I. Jane. Well, if you read her bio, and what I did was I read the bios, I looked at both the videos, both uh, Dalton Ross's video and the one that uh, CBS did with uh, Parvati, I think was, was the one that was uh, interviewing them for that. Um, so you get clues from that, and Baylor... Um, is constantly talking about how competitive she is, how she needs to win, how driven. This is the this is the fundamental uh, character trait of GI Jane is that competitiveness. So you look at someone like Stephanie Lagrosa, and she just wants to keep driving forward until she wins. Um, unfortunately, they don't see that other that there are other elements of the game that are potentially um, just as important. So sometimes they can be too competitive. Um, too bossy, outspoken. They're inclined to get angry when, like, if their tribe loses a challenge, they start getting mad and blaming other people, mm-hmm. which which can be uh, a little alienating for them. Um, so I think Baylor needs to get herself into the majority alliance and really try and think through everything that is happening uh, and why, um, and ultimately, you know, and, and not get angry when they lose. So be very friendly and not demanding. And I think if she bonds with Alec, that would be a really good game move for her. But she really needs to make him feel like he's calling the shots. I'm not sure if she's uh, strategic enough to know how to do that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see with Baylor. Um, What is your take on Baylor? Well, it's not a great take. Uh, You know, I have not been impressed with her, but I feel like her edit has been favorable. And it makes me, you know, look look at her in a more positive light than, you know, just based on like how the episodes have, have gone, like the actual, like what has been the things that have happened. Like, I feel like that the episode almost tried to spin it. Like she was somewhat responsible for what ultimately ended up happening in the vote in the last episode. And I did not find that to be the case. Mm -hmm. So, um, I feel like the editing really wants us to like Baylor. Um, yeah, no, I would agree with that as well. And uh, I, I do like Baylor. I think, I think she's a bit young, though. I think she's, I think she's struggling because she's, uh, 
I know she feels like she's mature, but when you when you're trying to play a game like this with with a bunch of people that have got way more life experience, I think you realize just how young you really are. Okay. Right? All right. Uh, who's next? Who's next is John McClane. John McClane. You love John McClane. I do love John McClane. Now so, this is this is not the former U.S. Republican candidate for president. I don't love that John McClane. No. Okay. Um, no, this is the John McClane from uh, Die Hard. This is Bruce Willis here okay. that I'm talking about. So he is a 25 to 30 year old man. He's your average Joe bartender, cop, fireman. He can be a doorman, a construction worker. Uh, he's very fit and he can have a very intense personality. So he's, he's the super likable, easy to relate to guy. Okay. So this would be like Hayden, Malcolm, uh, Keith from super, uh, South Pacific, Boston Rob is a, is a John McClane, Ben Ray, Ben Ray, uh, James from China, Rocky from Fiji, who I thought was a hoot, uh, Judd from Guatemala, Chris, who's one of the other winners of this category, yes. and Colby, Mr. Colby Donaldson. All right. I would have to say this person is John Mish. No! <laughs> close. Very close. Okay. It's because he's a fireman. Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy? Jeremy! Okay, well yes. now, uh, how old is Jeremy? Isn't Jeremy 36 years old and out of your John McClane age range? He's right on the cusp. You're going to hold one year against it. Like, how old are you, Rob? Are you going to really hold that one <laughs> I, year against him? Yes, yes. How dare uh, that you? Was a, that was a really good guess, though, because uh, John was a tricky one. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what it, what swayed me one way or the other with, uh, with John, but he was probably the most problematic of all of them. Okay. I'm trying to categorize. All right. So, so, so you, feel good, you, you must feel good about what Jeremy is doing then. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, what he what he needed to do is to take control of the game without anyone knowing that he's doing it. And I think that that's exactly what he's done. Um, He needs to make everyone think that he is in a final to deal with them, just like Boston Rob did. He needs to be patient and try not to overthrow the big powers in in his alliance too soon. That's usually the downfall of John McClain. If you look at Malcolm, like he's just so impatient to get the big moves happening. You just need to, you just need to wait. You need to wait for it to happen and choose your moment. Um, he also needs to choose his Alliance members smartly. So not just based on who he gets along with, but the way, um, Boston Rob chose based on loyalty and who was actually going to be able to win at the end. Like he was, uh, Boston Rob was very good at choosing those players that pose no threat at all and, and, and being a strong enough player to be able to carry them through with him. So if Jeremy can emulate that at all, I think he's going to be in really good shape. Okay. All right, so we'll see what happens with Jeremy. Who else do you have? I've got the tough old broad. Tough old broad, okay. Yeah. This has got to be Muffin, right? Yes. Yay, Muffin. Um, yeah, so 30 years, uh, sorry, 40 years old and older. Um, usually she's really wiry and in super great uh, shape. Um She's prone to emotional outbursts, though. So I think because uh, Missy is like runs the cheerleading gym and everything like that, I, I think she's a good fit for this uh, for this character type. So what she's got going for her, she's competitive, she's non-threatening, she can be motherly and loyal as well as tough. What she has working against her is she can be emotional, a little bit gullible, and she can be too loyal. If you think of Trish last year, she suffered from too much loyalty, right? Yeah. 
So Missy needs to be able to make some tough choices and be able to potentially work independently from Baylor. Um, she is the perfect goat. So she needs to be making enough moves to influence the game without everyone knowing that she's doing it so that if she gets to the end, she can then prove and she, she'll have the resume there to, uh, to win against whoever brought her. Um, and if she works subtly to get out the biggest threats, like if you think of a, a Sari kind of strategy, if she removes the other players like Jacqueline that players might be wanting to take to the end instead of her, she could be everyone's sure thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, she's, I think she's in a good place if she understands the game well enough to realize that that's what's happening. Who are our tough old broad winners? Uh, Tina and Denise. Tina and Denise, okay. Um, all right, so we'll see. I, I'm not feeling great about Muffin, though. You're not? What, what is it that, you're, that makes you nervous about Muffin? Uh, it doesn't look like she has a lot going on. Um, I, don't think she, I don't think she needs to have a lot going on. I think she needs to be uh, really sweet and likable. You see, she is the one that consoled Julie when Julie was crying. That that is what's going to get her into the uh, into the final, right? That kind of uh, that kind of sweetness. It did not for Dawn Meehan, or I guess it gets gets her to the finals, but she's not going to help her win the game because then you have to be cutthroat. Well, I don't think being cutthroat was was Dawn's problem. I think the problem was she became the the least likable one because she was cutthroat. I th- I think you need to be the person that's actually pulling a lot of the strings, and you need to make sure that who's sitting beside you at the end is not someone like Cochrane. It's got to be someone that's a little less obvious as a as a winning player, right? Someone who is not as likable. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. Who else you got? Okay, next is Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. We love Aaron Brockovich. Mm-hmm. So this is our level-headed, attractive girl. She works in an everyday job, and she's often a small business owner. Okay. So very social, likable, charming, and she's good at making friends. Hmm. So once again, who do you think this might be? Well, we've only got two women left, right? So it's either got to be Kelly or Julie. And my Gut at first said Kelly, but I feel like it's going to be Julie. It is going to be Julie. Yes. She runs her own spray tan business. She said in her bio that she gets along with everybody. She's extremely good at customer service, making friends, making people feel comfortable. Um, so, And she seems like a pretty smart lady, too. Yeah. You kind of um, have to get along with everybody to date John Rocker. Yes. And, and she talks about she needs to get people to like drop trow in front of her. So I think you got to get make people feel very comfortable very quickly. You know if that's what? your job. I have a feeling getting people to take their pants off is not Julie's biggest problem. <laughs> I have a feeling that she's quite good at that. I think you might be right. I yeah. think you're onto something. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right. So you, this means that you must be feeling good about Julie. I am feeling good about Julie. Um, I think that she's got a really good shot if she gets in with a solid alliance. Um, it's, it's critical that she not be seen as untrustworthy and she can't reveal how smart she is to too many people, maybe just her closest ally, the way Kim did with Chelsea. Um, sometimes this character type can sneak in the back door of the finals, but, um, I think it is possible for Julie to control the whole game if she's savvy enough. Um, I think she's actually free to play her own game now that Rocker's gone. I think it was probably a really good thing for her. Um, she just needs not to kind of dissolve into self-pity and anger and, and realize that this is actually kind of a springboard to make anything happen in the game. 
Okay. So who have been the winner Aaron Brockovich's? Kim Spradlin, Danny Boatwright, and Vesepia. Kim Spradlin? Yes. Okay. That's a, that's a good group. That is a good group. That's a very strong group. Okay. So next we have the good old boy. Good old boy. All right. Well, this has got to be Wes, right? Yep. And it's also Keith. What? Yes. The good old boy can be old or young. No. See, you have to be a good old boy or a good old man. (laughs) Is there a difference? A father and son can't both be a good old boy. Oh, I guess you're right. That's true. It's it's a a paradox. It is a paradox. Okay. So we have matter and antimatter. They could explode (laughs) with me. When they meet, I don't know. It's a chicken and the egg. I don't know if the universe can sustain that. <laughs> All right. So tell us about the good old boys. Okay. So they're Southern guys. They're the, they're the ones with the really thick accent. They're often a farmer or a rancher. Notto is very game smart. They can be both old and young. Uh, the older version is often very funny and entertaining. The young version is usually really nice to look at. Whoa. Yep. Like Jeremiah and uh, Jay Byers. Like Wes. Uh, Wes isn't bad. He's kind of a cutie pie. Um, Are you saying he's cute, not hot? He's definitely cute and not hot. Oh, boy. Was that harsh? Well, I feel like that I'm I'm not used to uh, hearing people talk about me in that way. So I really have no idea what to, what to uh, what that would feel like. But I feel like if I was listening to a woman talk about if I was cute or not or hot, is that how it is that how it feels when we when we talk about women? Is that um, Angie? Is the shoe on the other foot now? Yes, I think it is. Oh man, it, it is kind of an offensive game. I must admit. <laughs> um, but I know personally, I need. I need. That's my why best. I typically. Uh, I feel like we usually only reserve this for uh, me with talking with other male guests about other men. Do you talk about whether men are hot? Yes, yes. With the other male guests? Because yes. then you think that you're not going to offend people? Yes. I don't, I don't know if that's a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> um, no, I think if Wes were a little bit more of a brainiac, then he'd be in the hot category for sure. But, okay. Uh, he lost the flint, you know? So if he was what, what smarter, he'd be hot? I think, well, that's how I think about it. Okay. Right? Yeah, you you need to be either exceptionally hot or you need to be cute and really smart to be hot. What about what about dad? What about dad? Um, so he's the older version. So he's very funny. He's kind of like Big Tom, a little bit like Rick, but with more personality than Rick, I would hope. Um, so what these guys have going for them, they're very loyal. They're very trustworthy. They tend... Uh, they're not a strategic threat, and they're very likable, so uh, they're really good alliance material. Um, what they need to watch out for is they tend to be inflexible. They kind of see the world as black or white and not terribly game smart. So I do think that Wes and Keith may be able to charm their way to the top, but they need to not put too much stock in the promises that other people make to them. Um, they need to think through all their angles. Um they they need to not necessarily believe it when people, when they're promised final three because they you know this character type always seems shocked when they're betrayed, so they do need to take control of their own game. I think JT won because he was willing to backstab anyone. Um, he was considering all the options. Um, they also need to make sure that they're in the fi- finals with someone um, that they can out that they can out charm. Right. Then they need to make it look like they were making strategic decisions alongside them if they are sitting beside someone who is somewhat strategic. Like if, if you think of someone like like 
if Josh is sitting next to Wes at the end, what is Wes going to have to do to prove that he played the game better than than Josh? That's he's really going to have to be able to pull out all the stops. For but that. isn't that a reverse, Stephen and JT? Yes. So yes, it can it happen. It can. Well, this is the thing. If if Josh is um, is too strategic and 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 seen as too cutthroat, and Wes is able to just be, oh no, I was just you know doing my playing my game, whatever you know, like he might be able to convince them. He might be able to pull a JT. It is okay. possible. All right. But he'll have better luck doing that sitting next to Drew. That's for sure. Than someone like Josh. All right. Only a couple people left uh, that we haven't talked about. Who's left? Siren. Siren. Oh this my god. One, yeah, this is the this is the last girl that we haven't mentioned. So she's um, tends to be kind of flirty, smart. Um, often works in sales and marketing between twenty five and thirty. She's very charming and beautiful. Um, can be a little bit conniving. Um, so the female that we're talking about here that we haven't categorized yet is Kelly. Kelly. The siren. <laughs> Good grief. Um, yeah, Kelly was Kelly was tricky. I almost put her as the secretly smart bikini babe. The only reason why I didn't is she compared herself to poverty, which sends off like the the, the sirens for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's problematic about that is I really do think that they need to have one girl every season compare themselves to poverty. So I don't know how much of that is true. Yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. Yeah. I don't know, but she does say that she's gonna, you know, she wants to be able to use her relationships with guys to, to move ahead. So we'll see. I mean, and she's not from like an Ivy league school or anything. So it wasn't a perfect fit for a secretly smart bikini babe either. Okay. Although, again, the blood versus water season makes it very tricky because I feel like you've got one person who fits the character type perfectly, and then you've got their plus one who could be anything. Now, right? what is the win differential between the secretly smart bikini babe and the siren? Um, they both won twice. Okay, so no difference in terms of her winning odds based on saying that she was going to play it like poverty. That's right. Okay, good. That's right. Good. All um, right. Actually, you know what? Secretly Smart Bikini Babe. No, I'm mixing her up with Little Red Riding Hood. Secretly Smart Bikini Babe has never won. Oh, so that's huge. It is huge. Uh, and she didn't need this. So <laughs> I'm giving her a huge uh, leg up here. I'm giving her a massive benefit of the doubt. Okay, good. Good. All right. So big swing. Good yeah, Good so- job by, by Kelly. Saving her chances to win the game by saying she's going to play like poverty. That's right. Hanging in there by a thread. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So uh, then only a, a couple of uh, guys guys left here to talk about. Right. So Mr. Miyagi is next. Okay. Well, that's got to be Dale. That's right. So this is your smart, uh, sage, mature man. Um, he can be very, very kind, not super aggressive. He's not good at backstabbing, but can be very, very intelligent. So he's likable and down to earth, but he, sometimes he cannot pull the trigger. So um, he'll likely be part, Dale will likely be part of the main alliance, but just on the outside of it. Oh, and at some point, the other men in his alliance will turn on him and he will not know what, how to turn that around. So uh, he, he's got to really be thinking, thing, like, thinking his own strategy through and being able to, to go for it. When opportunities come up, um, he's really got to seize them. Um, so the good news about Rocker, um, 
leaving is that Rocker's character type, for some reason, always fixates on this character type and targets him. So even though they were in a, in a close alliance, Dale's actually much safer with Rocker gone. And you'll notice, because Rocker was saying, oh, as long as Dale was there, I thought I was okay. Because that was his scapegoat if anything went wrong. Oh, vote out Dale, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but he can't, you know, like if you think of Penner's gameplay, sometimes he can be a little bit afraid of commitment, right? Dale needs to be able to just say, this is what I'm doing and just go for it. Yeah, it seems like you're on point with this one. It seems like that's exactly what's going to happen to Dale. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yes, I think, you know, I have to say, I think you're on, on the money with this one. Thank you. And that okay. means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, and now, is it time to talk about John Mish? Yes. All right. So, um, the last character type is our pony boy. Pony boy? Pony boy. So, if you remember, he's the weird outsider character. Oh, no, not yes. pony boy. <laughs> yes. So he's usually known for bizarre occupation, um, but can also be uh, characterized by his happy-go-lucky attitude. Okay. So he's the one. And again, his was very subtle. Because keep in mind, Jacqueline, I believe, was the one that got recruited. John just came along for the ride. So um, That's why he's Pony Boy. He's the yeah. one there for the ride. <laughs> there for the ride. So Pony Boy is usually the one who looks like he, he's not quite sure what game he's playing. Um, and they're often extremely athletic. Okay. Right? So if you think of your, uh, your Eric Reichenbach, like he was really athletic, right? So, um, so John is of that, that category too. So what really clued me into him being a pony boy is when he said in his, uh, video interview that, you know, he's, he's not going to have a set strategy. Um, he thinks it's a mistake to have a plan. He's just kind of just going to go with the flow. And Jacqueline said, it's going to piss people off because he's always going to be looking on the bright side of things. And I thought, that really sounds like a pony boy. What a pony boy, that guy. What a pony boy. Yes. So obviously what he has to watch out for is being gullible. Um, He he needs to be careful. He doesn't meander his way through the game. So his athleticism will keep him alive to about the midpoint, maybe just before the merge. Um, but he's got to uh, be careful of losing his place in the Alliance. Um, if he's wishy-washy, people are not going to trust him. He may also have flashes of weirdness that put him on the outside of his tribe if he starts behaving strange. Like talking to the monkeys? Like talking to the monkeys, yeah. Because yeah. Brandon Hans is a pony boy as well, so. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, all right, so... <laughs> All right. So does being a pony boy preclude you to doing any crazy stuff on social media? Well, like does what? that go hand in hand with that um, or hand in hands? Uh, I, <laughs> I think that, uh, I think that that's a very strong uh, possibility that he's going to do weird stuff on social media. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be trying to look out for that. Yes. I don't, I don't want to be, we won't, we won't. I think I've learned my lesson. Okay. So who's not there? Who are the character types that you've discovered who are not in this season? Okay. So I'm going to talk about the favorite ones because there's a whole bunch that aren't because keep in mind, there's 26 in total, but the ones we doubled that are, up a couple. Yes, we doubled up uh, a couple. So there's a whole bunch that got left out this season, but the, you know, some of my favorites, we have no Heisenberg. Oh no. This season. So this is the super intense older guy stirring up crap. So the season will lose a lot of its entertainment value without a Heisenberg. Like, who will speak Llama 
and makes sweet love to every idol he finds. Mm-hmm. Who, who will yell, this is my island, when he wins a challenge? Who will be the best survivor player of all time? <laughs> okay. This is, this is a void that cannot be filled by, mil- by mere uh, challenge wins or backstabbing. I think it's a loss for survivor humanity as a whole. Yeah. Need more Heisenbergs. Definitely need more Heisenbergs. Say my name. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other one that's missing is the know-it-all. Yeah. So, I know this type needs no explanation on this podcast. So the problem with not casting a know-it-all is that they make confessional gold. So for those of us who love the exquisitely crafted jokes and following the strategic threads throughout the game, without this type, we will be forced to listen through hours of obvious reflection and character bashing. Yeah. So this is the character I will personally miss the most. In fact, I'm wearing my I Love Nerds t-shirt right now. Oh, uh, get out of here. You don't have one. I do. Jatia mailed me one. She didn't send one. What? <laughs> you didn't get yours? No. Uh, no, it had a little white powder on it, but I just brushed that off and it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that keeps it fresh. <laughs> that keeps it fresh. Um, also, the packets must have opened. <laughs> must have. Um, also, the secretly smart bikini babe is not there. Yes. So this is your pre-law, pre-med eye candy. Um, again, I wasn't sure if Kelly was supposed to fill this role or not, but uh, it didn't seem like a really good fit for me. Okay. Who Um, else? Who else are we missing? Well, I mean, we're also missing a Chelsea Handler. Oh, yes. So with no Chelsea Handler and no know-it-all, we are seriously at a lack of humorous people. That's right. And smart people. Oh, man. Yeah. Like all the strategic thinking is essentially resting on uh, Jeremy, Julie, Josh, and Reed. So that that means that they're the ones you're going to be having to give the confessionals. I think it's all going to be Wes and Keith that are carrying the humor. Yeah. For this uh, this season, which is which is going to be a little a little rough. And that's going to be a little bit of you know not always laughing with them. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, we'll. And I think there's going to be a lot of that with Drew too, like laughing beside him rather than with him. Yeah. I got that. Um, what about our alpha male control freak? He's not there either. Oh, man. Yeah. Neither is uh, Mommy Dearest. So that's no Sari, Sandra, or Don Meehan character. Now, Muffin has elements of Don in her. Mm-hmm. So, so she's very maternal and supportive, uh, which definitely improves her chances of getting to the finals. Um, uh, but she, uh, you know, Mommy Dearest, I mean, she cries a lot. So, I mean, maybe that isn't a total loss, not having that on the show, but I don't know. Did you do a lot of crying when you were on Survivor? (laughs) Every day. It just didn't make the edit? Every day, on and off Survivor. (laughs) Yeah. And the last big one that we're missing is there's no specialist. Oh, man. So, no egomaniac, eccentric, annoying, delusional guy. And so, from an entertainment perspective, this is perhaps the greatest loss. So, no oh. coach chi or special agents or pirates or crazy eastern medicine for headache relief. Somebody should get fired. <laughs> yeah, thank. Are you sad to see are you sad to see no specialist yes, or do yes. you find that character kind of annoying? Yes, I feel like we're missing all of my favorites. Yeah. Angie, is it possible for somebody to pretend to be somebody different? Like uh if I if I am a, you know, uh, if I am a know-it-all, can I pretend to be John McClane? I don't see why not. But okay, will it work? I, well, I don't work for casting. I don't know how smart. But, those... would, it, would it work in the game? Yeah. 
I think so. Okay. I think so. I think it, I, I think if you're if you're a know it all, it would be a, a very smart strategy to uh, to hide how how intelligent you are. I mean, the problem is if if you're a character type that say isn't very athletic. And so your strengths are your intelligence. If your tribe doesn't realize your strengths, they're just going to think you're the weakest link and vote you out. That I really see that as the only downfall. Okay. Well, Halloween is around the corner, Angie. And that's a day when everybody gets to pretend that there's something else. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, are you a big Halloween person? I love Halloween. Yeah. Would you have a costume planned for this year yet? Yes. Yes. I- what are you going to be? I think I might uh, choose a character from The Walking Dead, perhaps one with a samurai sword. Oh, you're going to be a Michonne for Halloween? I would like to try. Yeah. Well, the reason why I'm talking about Halloween is I want to take a moment and talk about a, a new sponsor that we have coming up here on Rob as a Podcast. Uh, and those are our friends at swagbucks.com. And the reason why I'm talking about this for Halloween is because they are going to help you get some money back looking for Halloween costumes this year. Now, Angie, I, you, you know me. I'm a, 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 I, I'd like to say that I'm cranky for a younger person. But again, <laughs> not always that the younger part is starting to get a little more uh, speculative. Okay. So, so your younger is actually getting older. It's getting older. It's getting older. <laughs> But I'm but I'm cranky beyond my years. And okay. so I don't like going out and buying the Halloween costume because I feel like it's uh you know, it's like all the packages are open in the store and everything, and then uh, I feel like I gotta you know and they they get expensive Halloween costumes. Oh, they absolutely do. They they very much do. Uh but swagbox.com, not only just for Halloween, but any time of year, they allow you to get cash back when you shop from retailers like so swag bucks allows you to get cash back from some of your favorite online stores like amazon walmart target groupon and costume super center because swag bucks the way that it works angie is that it's like a rewards card that allows you to get points back and then when you get points back you get money back in gift cards I love money. Because when you shop for Halloween costumes uh, at stores like Costume Supercenter and Target, uh, you'll get 14% cash back. Plus, you'll get a $5 gift card if you spend $75 or more in the Halloween shop at stores like Target, Groupon, uh, Living Social, and Costume Supercenter. So if go to swagbucks.com slash RHAP, get up to 14% cash back and a $5 gift card. It's free to join and easy to save money. Angie, we like saving money, right? I love saving money. Yes. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of savings right there. Who would be, what character type would like saving money the most? Erin Brockovich? Um, I think she would like it. I'm thinking the mommy dearest because I know mommy I, dearest. Have, I have kids and those Halloween costumes cost a lot when they all add up. Yes. And you'll feel like a know-it-all when you're saving money. <laughs> I always feel like I know it all. All right. Yeah. So check out swagbucks.com slash R-H-A-P. You'll get up to 14% cash back when you shop for Halloween stuff at participating stores uh, and a $5 gift card if you spend more than 75 bucks. So it's free and check it out at swagbucks.com slash R-H-A-P. All right. Let's get into, uh, let's talk about who's going to potentially do well now that we know all of the characters and players in the game. Absolutely. You, you have the whole season predicted, right? I do. So we don't even have to watch any more Survivor. (laughs) That's right. If you don't want to, you can just skip it. Okay. uh, 
no, I, 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 th- I think it's a, it's a, it's a guesstimate. I don't think the order is going to be absolute, but I think within, you know, within the three players, I think it's pretty accurate. Okay. Now you said earlier that John Rocker screwed things up because you had the first two things correct yes. going going to the season. So you're telling me yeah. you looked at your chart, you looked at yeah. all your data, and yeah. you said, okay, first person kicked off. You hadn't even watched an episode yet. Will be Nadia. Yes. In how? Fact, and why, was, how did you even get Nadia and not Natalie? Well, that's the part that's a little bit more subjective because I looked at the split between the two tribes. And I looked at their bios and identified who had said that they had a a very athletic background and who said that they were good at puzzles. And I determined that the, I'd call the tribe Honeypoo, although I know that isn't right. Hunapu. (laughs) Hunapu was actually a more dominant tribe. I suspect because Rocker was on Koyapa, they kind of overestimated how much he would carry that tribe. And I thought that his... uh, his negative attitude might actually be a bit of a deterrent. So I assumed that Koyopa was going to lose the first few challenges. And then based on that, my system told me who was going to be voted out first, and it was going to be Nadia, and then it was going to be Val. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're on fire. You're locked in so far this season. So far. But uh, what they had next, what the system had next was Josh. Josh. That's assuming that Koyopa lost again, which they did. And Rocker was not supposed to go out until 50th. Uh, so you had Koyopa losing the first four challenges even before the season started? Well, I suspected that they would be they would be more likely. Like when I made my prediction, I essentially said if it's Koyopa who goes to, chal- uh, to uh, tribal council, this is who's going to lose. And if it's the other tribe, this is who's going to be voted off. But I was pretty sure. Like when, when I said Val, I said my money's on Val tonight. And then it was Val. And it was, it's a little bit eerie because during like Angie, the survivor fan is like, no, I don't think Val's going home. And then I'm watching the episode. I'm like, oh my God, I think Val's going home. And Angie, the survivor is like, boy, I I need some more cookies right now. I too. Especially, (laughs) especially if Malcolm is serving them to me. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. All right. Let's, let's settle down now, Angie. (laughs) Get your head back in the game. All right. So, uh, all right. So you, you still think after what we've seen and then when you watch the episodes, do you say, okay, oh, well, Josh definitely isn't going to go home next now. Right. Or do you stay, stick with no, the numbers said before the season, this was what was going to happen. So I can't update my data. Well, the data is the data, right? And the data says Josh is not going to win this game. I happen to think that he's doing really well, and I think he's going to go a lot further than the average placement for his character type. Mm. Now, can you update character types and change the data after the fact? Like, for instance, like uh, I follow um, through uh, when uh, Bill Simmons used to have a podcast before he got suspended. Um, (laughs) I used to listen to him talk to somebody from uh, Football Outsiders, a guy named uh, Aaron Schatz. And he, in football, he tracks, you know, the updated stats for what each team is doing uh, week to week. And and he has this uh, stat called a DVOA. And actually... Uh, that you know you, your your projections for the rest of the season change based on how you performed in the most recent week. So like, actually, this team's uh, you know DVOA is higher now because they did really well against this team last week. So could we almost like from episode to episode say, like, oh, I actually got this wrong, and it turns out that Kelly is the secretly smart bikini babe, and that changes everything now. 
Um, I mean, potentially. I mean, if we if we put them in the wrong character type, then yes, switching character types would change the outcome for for that person. I think what you're talking about is a more uh, complex scoring point system that you're able to to judge the play of the actual um, survivor player, okay. like the which is which is certainly fun but and it, it is it's it's fun but different. Um, the point of this system was to try and take the individual out of the equation. Got it. Like, it doesn't matter how good Josh is. The system says this is what's going to happen. Okay. Right? All right. So take us through. Tell us the rest of this. Tell us the story. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start assuming that uh, the other tribe is going to start losing people soon. Um, so I do actually I do need to give you a, a bit of a background because the, the way that you can look at this, there are two ways to figure out who's going to what the what the boot order is going to be, um, because there's average placement. So out of all the times these character types have played the game, what is the average uh, place in the order of, of, of boot that they got versus who's most likely to win the game? So the win rate is not the same as their average placement. OK, so. For example, uh, like the mommy dearest character actually finishes higher than any other character type. But mm. it doesn't mean she wins more often. It just means that she's in the finals more often. Yeah. So what I did was I took the top three are the ones that are most likely to win. And everything else is, the, is from the finish order, like what their average placement is. Okay. So with that said, um, who I've got going out... Um, uh, after Rocker, because we're assuming Josh is supposed to go out, out at 16, so he could potentially potentially go at any time. Can I just yeah. ask you one more question? And then do you figure this out by sort of like average placement of the next person who has the average placement of finish is this person, so this person is going to be the next person out? Or do you look at it sort of like, oh, well, you know, this uh, John McClain and a Perez Hilton, that's not going to work. So that's going to be the next person to be to be voted out. I do it simply by the the full average placement. So, for example, oh no, you didn't finishes um, has the worst finish of any other character type. So it was either going to be Nadia or Natalie going home first, depending on which tribe lost. Interesting, right? So as soon as the other tribe starts losing people, I've got Natalie right at the top of that list for who's going out first. Okay, all right. So continue. Yes. So the Perez Hilton character actually doesn't finish very high up in the game. Um, like Bryce did, they tend to go out relatively early. So I've got Reed also going out uh, right after Natalie. Um, after that, Pony Boy does not do very well. So John is I've got as number twelve. Mm-hmm. Number eleven. So this is around the merge. Um, this is when Drew goes. Okay. Uh, number ten. So uh, coming in tenth, we have our GI Jane. Baylor's gonna come in around there. So right after, uh, right after the tribe merges, Baylor's going to go, then Dale's going to follow right behind. Okay. Um, after them, I've got our two good old boys. So Wes and Keith, I've got coming in seventh and eighth. Okay. Sixth is Jacqueline. Okay. Now, Angie, again, does, do you, does your data factor in the blood versus water relationships and stuff like that? Not at all. Okay. There's, so- there's, there's no way to, right? How do you quantify that? They're a father and son, therefore... Well, could you say, like, we get to the merge and then say, okay, well, now the pairs are going to get together? Um, That's... You could. I mean, that's a subjective way of looking at it. So, yes, I believe that's what's going to happen, but I don't don't have any... 
I don't have enough data to do that. We need a whole bunch of blood versus water seasons before we can start analyzing it from that perspective. Okay, just wait like four years. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have six more by then. <laughs> all right, sorry. It's all right. I don't mean to keep it. No, keep no, it no that's fine. Tell Are us who mean- is the final six right now. Okay, so t- we're, we're no ready- specific order. Give us who's the final six. Okay, so top five in no specific order. Top five baby. Top five baby is Muffin. Muffin. Julie. Jeremy is in there. Alec is in there, and Kelly is in there. All right. Uh, that's our that's our final five. Okay, and so now this is a an odd cross tribal alliance here. That's, uh, that's there where uh, Alec is, is Alec at this point just winning immunities? Yes. Are you factoring that in? Nope. Okay. I mean, the reason why surfer dude always finishes in the top because they always go on an immunity run at the end. So I'm factoring nothing. I am simply saying that Alec is going to be in the top because as a rule, his character type wins at the end okay. when it gets down to into individual immunities. So this doesn't, this doesn't factor that one tribe is going to have the majority and they would vote out people from the other tribe. No. And okay. I, and I think because it's a blood versus water, it's almost safer assuming that like the, the, the tribal alliances are almost meaningless because once they merge, everything's going to get all jumbled up. Got it. Right. Okay. All right. T- top five, baby. Who's out next? Okay. So I've got in fifth is Jeremy. Man. Yeah. I thought he had it. <laughs> should have won. He, yeah. No, in terms of like overall win rate, he's only uh, 7.4%, which is not even double digits. So, yeah. um, so next and fifth, we have Kelly, who is our siren. Okay. In four and, and third, we have Missy. Okay. So, Missy, I guarantee, will be in the top five. Someone will take her, but I, I, don't, be, I don't believe she's going to win. So you have a final two of Julie versus Alec? Yes. Oh, my God. And Julie's going to take it. <laughs> and the winner of Survivor San Juan del Sur is... Julie! Yeah. I, I feel like, does Jeff say the name on the last card? He just, like, turns the card over. Uh, well, usually the crowd goes wild. So yeah, I, and then John Rocker is like comes out like fist pumps and like uh, is like yeah, yeah, in your gonna, face, America. Is he gonna punch a twenty though? No, he loves the twenties now. I hope so. I yeah. hope that wasn't all just PR. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna, and then John Rocker is gonna carry Julie uh, on his shoulder like uh, like when the Macho Man used to walk out of the ring with Elizabeth. <laughs> That's <laughs> to right. Play John Rocker's music as they march off into the sunset, and then and John she, John Rocker is going to propose at the finale, and she's going to answer by saying, "You lost to a girl." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, what a what a huge finale that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's going to be awesome. Um, I do actually think Alex got a really good chance too. So uh, essentially. The top five, I believe any one of those top five could win. I think Jeremy's got a really good shot. I think if Josh manages to get himself to top five, he's got a really good shot as well, um, just because of the way he's playing the game. But statistically, um, Julie should take it, especially if she gets into top three. Aaron Aaron Brockovich has never gotten into top three and not won. Now, you said Josh, right? Yep. Now, I thought you said that Josh, the number said that he was out next. Uh, It does. 
But okay. this is this is Angie, the survivor fan, saying he is. Remember how I I laid out what this character type needs to do to better their odds. He's doing everything right. So I think there's a good chance that he's going to finish well above where statistically he should finish. Just okay. like just like Todd did, right? All right. So then let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about the alliances. Okay. So alliances are, are are pretty interesting if you look at them in terms of the character types as well. Um, cause I, I analyzed every character type who finished in the top five of their season and I identified whether or not they were part of the main Alliance or on the outside of the main Alliance. And I looked at how often they won, because if you do that, you can determine if someone who has been in the final five a lot, but hasn't won a lot to me, that indicates that they're a very good candidate to have in your Alliance. So, um, so this is good information. It's good information. So you, if you're a, a new person playing survivor. And it's day one. And you look around and you say, okay, these are the people ideally I want in my alliance. They should be the following people. Write this down if you were going to be on Survivor. Right? Am I thinking this is, I'm getting this information correctly? Yep, that is, you're right right on the money. Angie, tell people, okay, get your pencils out. And Angie, who should people make an alliance with on day one? Whoever's calling you bro, that's who you want in your alliance. Interesting, because I voted out the person that was calling me bro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on day one uh no the surfer dude is the best alliance member for getting you to the top five okay so alex should be everyone's best friend right now so find the surfer guy make an alliance with him yeah be, become his best friend so he's been to the top five ten times and he's gone to the finals with the winner twice okay but he's also won the game yes so he has won 40 percent of the times that he's gone to the top five which does make him a sizable threat however he is athletic enough to win the final immunity, but not always a good judge of who should sit beside him. So if Alec shows himself not to be the brightest crayon in the box, he should be their guy. Right? Well, you're like uh, Caleb's mom. <laughs> That's right. But if he's like, um, I don't know, if he's like, if he's like Tyson, I mean, it should be obvious. Like, I, I haven't got a good read on Alec yet. I can't tell how smart he is. Okay. So a surfer guy, he's going far. There's a chance he could win the final immunity and take you anyway. So yes. go ahead yes. and, and pick up the surfer guy. Who else? Who else Cer- should be in the alliance? Cer- certainly to get you the, to the top seven or so, bring Alec along with you. Uh, Tough Old Broad is a perfect alliance member. So this is, uh, this is Missy because so, she's loyal. She's intelligent. She's only won 22% of the times that she's gone to the final five. Okay. And as I, as I was mentioning earlier, she could be this year's perfect goat. Um, we do need to wait and see if she's got game before deciding on this because, you know, Colby brought Tina and that didn't work out so well. So, I mean, it can flip on you, but I, I don't know. I'm not getting a, a highly strategic vibe off of Missy. So let's wait and see. Okay. Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red people, Riding Hood in the Alliance. People should be clawing each other's eyes out to have Jacqueline in their alliance. <laughs> like the fact that they're trying, they're talking about that she's on the outside of the Alliance on the boy side right now is, is crazy talk. This is a free vote, easily carried along. She can actually hold her own in challenges. She's not useless. She's pretty athletic. Um, she's not very clear on the strategy of the game, which means that she's going to be very easy to convince to do stuff. Whoa. Um, well, you know, the tribal council, that was not her, her, her strongest moment when, when Jeff was asking her questions, she seemed a little unclear of uh, how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, so little red riding head has won 29% of the time she's gone to the top five. So you need to make sure that you played a solid strategic game and everyone respects you before you sit beside her. Make sure you are not 
you know, the most hated person in the game. Like, don't bring a likable person if you are. But excellent alliance candidate there. And uh, the good old boy has also gone to the final five six times, but only won once. So that makes both Wes and Keith excellent alliance candidates. So these guys are going to be very easy to influence. They will never break their word. Okay. So the people who should be aligning with these people is Jeremy and Julie. Okay. Well, Jeremy, that he has this five-person alliance, and he has the tough old broad. Yeah. And he has a good old boy in his alliance. That's right. So... So, so far, you know, he's 50-50 on this alliance making. Yep. No, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. What's interesting about the John McLean character is he's made it to the final five seven times. But unlike any other character type, he's the only player who's made it to the top five on the outside of the main alliance more often than on the inside. Wow. So if you think of someone like Malcolm, who's like clinging to the edge or Spen- uh, not Spencer, because he's a know-it-all, but th- th- these are these types that are like winning immunities or just desperately hanging in by their by their fingernails and powering their way through that. That might be where Jeremy ends up. But uh, I think he's 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 playing playing very strongly. So I think he could he could dominate potentially. And I think it's going to be a dogfight between him and Julie when the numbers get low between who's on what side. OK. So someday, if I ever go back on Survivor, I'm going to make... So if it's all-star Survivor, you'll see me in the alliance with... Uh, I'm going to be with Wu. I guess this is exactly what Tony did, right? He yes. had Wu. He had Trish, right? Yep, yep. And then uh, who was uh, Little Red Riding Hood? Jeffra? Yeah, he tried to have her, but she, <laughs> she, she grew a brain and freaked him out. <laughs> yeah, and the good old boy. Yeah, so whoever has a Southern accent, latch onto them. Yeah. Okay, so man, this is gonna be this is gonna be so awesome on on All Star Survivor. Yes. Yeah, and, I can't and wait. Went, and Mommy Dearest is actually a really excellent uh, alliance member too, but she was not cast this year. Yes. She's she's always there at the end as well. Okay, Mommy Dearest. Yeah. All right, good good stuff. Uh, you have any other predictions about this season? Um, just some little ones. Just uh, you know, there's been that bit of a teaser that someone might quit. So according to the statistics, it is Jacqueline who's going to quit. What? I thought that she was going to be my perfect person to take all the way. Well, she is a very good Alliance member, but uh, she's also quit the game twice. Uh, She's also the most likely to get married. Oh. get, Get this. She's likely to get married to Ponyboy. So there you have it. Well, that's a good sign. That's good because that they're, you know, they're together. So that would be really awkward otherwise. Okay. Um. But, I mean, people who have stuff going on at home tend to quit as well. So I think it is possible that John might quit because of his uh, dad's illness. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, most likely to be medically evacuated. <laughs> okay, that's a good one to know. That's going to be either Dale or John. Okay. Well, I, uh, why John? Um, because the Pony Boy character tends to get hurt. They don't take care of themselves. They don't. They get injured. Yeah. Um, most likely to find the idols. It's going to be Jeremy, Alec, and Drew. Jeremy, Alec, and Drew. Drew, who find all the idols. Okay, um, so the brothers. Yep. Most likely to flip out is going to be John or Baylor. When you say flip out, what do you mean? Uh, have some sort of emotional meltdown. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, like if you think of Lindsay last year. <laughs> or Brandon. Yeah. That's uh, that's most likely. So John's pretty much like most likely to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah, he's very likely to do a lot of things, including mm-hmm. yeah, including get married. Yeah. So, uh, sounds like an exciting year coming up for John. 
Let's hope so. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Winning Survivor is probably not part of the excitement. So let's hope all <laughs> the other stuff is really exciting. Okay. Now, Angie, last time you had the spreadsheet uh, ready to go, do you have any new uh, information available that people can check out when they're uh, working on fine tuning all of your research? I do. Yes, I do have a single sheet. Um, that shows the order of finish versus the win rate likelihood. And I've also got um, the order finish and the win rate for all character types, not just for this season. So potentially then someone could download this and then in future seasons, they can follow along. And then in future seasons, if they were able to correctly identify which character was in the correct character type, then they could predict for themselves who was going to win. Okay. Uh, Fantastic job, Angie. Thank you. Uh, let's give out, let people know where they can tweet to you so that they can work, uh, and, and touch base with you about, uh, their findings as well. Sure. Yep. I'm at, uh, at Angie Cons, and that's Cons spelled C-A-U-N-C-E. And, uh, yeah, no, it was great when everyone reached out last time. So I'm, uh, I'll be monitoring Twitter for sure. Okay. Um, what do you want the hashtag to be for this podcast? You know what? I really like Survivor OCD. Survivor OCD? Yeah. Okay. I, wa- I was leaning towards Pony Boy. Why that one in particular? Why does that stand out for you? Uh, it makes me laugh. I don't know why. But uh, how about this? Favorites. Why don't we let people, they could either tweet with Survivor OCD or Pony Boy. So it's like a competition then? No, it's not as a competition. <laughs> Just whatever you prefer. Okay. Yeah. How about that? But some people do both. They don't have to make a choice. Or they could think of something even funnier. I, I guess, but we won't know what, it, what they're talking about. Well, I mean, potentially it'd be something from the podcast yes, that they found really I guess, funny. I guess so. All right, but so we'll leave, we will let people uh, make their own decisions. I like that. Yes. Okay, uh, so this was, very, this was very, very fun. Uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that. Do you have your, your of, official pick uh, is Julie? And, yes. Uh, so how, what percentage would you assign to that? Um, well, according to the stats, she's got a 17.6% chance of winning. Okay. All right. she's, she, even though server dude has won four times and Aaron Brockovich has only won three, uh, Aaron Brockovich has only played 17 times and server dudes played 27 times. So I know that seems a little hanky as to why that works out like that, but Aaron Brockovich has actually got a much stronger chance. Now it seems like you, your dogs went nuts when you talked about Julie. One of them shook his head vigorously. <laughs> vigorously. So all right. Yes. So the data points to Julie. The dogs yes. point to Julie, and uh, she will be the winner of Survivor. I'm feeling good about Julie. Okay. All right. Well, this is very, very, very interesting. We'll track it all season long. Uh, again, big week coming up on Rob at the podcast. We've got our the Utopia podcast is going to return. Uh, I'm going to talk to Kurt Clark on Monday night. So that's going to be uh, up for you guys uh, later on in the week. Then we have Survivor Know-It-Alls back on Wednesday. We'll talk to the next Survivor that gets kicked off. And then Eliza, one of our Meredith Gray, will be joining us. And so it'll be very, very fun to hear what she has to say. I love Eliza. Who are the best podcast guests? Oh, gosh. Um, well, Know-It-Alls, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler is about to be the best, Chelsea right? Handler, definitely Know-It-Alls. Um, I don't know. you got some really good server dudes that come on the show, too, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's going to be very, very fun. Angie, thanks again for all your hard work. And uh, thanks to everybody uh, who made it all the way to the end. We'd greatly appreciate it. Let us know what you think in the comments on robinswebsite.com, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.